So I'm going to be speaking to you about the cost of being a disciple uh, this morning based on the really confronting passage that we just heard before the video. If I can have the next slide, please. Um, there's a really wonderful uh, passage at the beginning of, well, near the beginning of Philippians, Philippians 2, where Paul says, basically, if, you, if you've got any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any common sharing uh, or any tenderness, then make my joy complete by, and then he, he asks the church to do a whole lot of things. And basically what he's saying here is there are many benefits to being a disciple of Christ. There are many benefits to knowing God. And I wonder if you just think about for a moment, what are those in your life? You know, one, one of the things when we meet God and we truly encounter uh, the universe, we truly encounter God, we realize that God loves us. And so even though we will go through times of loneliness, we will go through times of hardship, there is an acceptance that we find when we have met God that is truly carries us. Uh, when we, we think about the Queen this, this week having passed away, we know that her faith was in Jesus. So we know that whilst death is difficult and we feel the pang of death, we know that this life is not all there is. So they are the benefits that we get that when we encounter the reality of who God is, but we are not talking about those benefits this morning. I'm sorry. We're talking about the cost of being a disciple. So if I just have the next slide, please. Um, the passage that we heard today is really confronting. And what we see in Luke 14 is we see that Jesus has been followed by large crowds. A lot of people were attracted to this man, Jesus Christ, when he began to minister, to speak and to teach in Israel. But it's like when Jesus is, is, is talking to the crowds, it's almost like he wants to thin them out. And he wants to say to them, don't just come wandering after me. Um, you, you know all the things that you have that you think are important, like your family or even your own life. Uh, he says to them, if you call yourself a follower of me, uh, then you have to value me far more than you value those things. Now, just to be clear, he's not saying hate yourself or hate your family. It's a figure of speech. It is a figure of speech. But he is saying, compared to, to those things, your love for me should be far greater because that's the reality. And then he says, and before you start following me, just have a think about it. Stop and count the cost. Because if you, you're going to look really stupid if you start to follow me and then stop because it's going to be hard and it's going to be costly. So just before you keep coming, have a think. So don't just wander into this. And then the last passage that Wendy read to us, it, because if you can't give up everything you have, if you can't give up everything you have, you cannot, you cannot be my disciple. So what are we to make of this as we live in Christchurch in 2022, um, and particularly as we live in Fendleton and its surrounding suburbs? What are we to make of these really challenging words? We do know, first of all, that Jesus is speaking in a particular time in history. Uh, he preached and taught in Galilee for about three years. And during that time, Jesus called people to literally follow him and to go into different towns and villages, um, often ahead of him in Judea, and proclaim the coming rule of God or the coming kingdom of God. We see that, for example, in Matthew 10. Um, 
Jesus was actually wanting Israel to hear that proclamation. Israel, this is the time when God has visited you. Wake up and see, or there will be consequences. Um, so that actually required a number of people to go out and to spread the message. Now, that's not the time that we're in now. We are living in a different, still a particular time of history, but we are living in a different time of history. So what does it mean when Jesus says to us, if you cannot give up, unless you give up everything that you have, you cannot be my disciple? Look, I want to talk about two things um, in this context. Uh, and in the context of thinking about what Nick and Tessa are doing in Uganda and how they have chosen to, to answer the call of God that they have heard. As followers of Christ, number one, we are called to go. You might say to follow or to leave. We're called to, to get up and go. So what going means will be different for all of us, and it will be different for us too in different times in our lives, as, as many of you will know. It doesn't necessarily mean go to a new place. Now, it might, uh, but it often won't. I just want to suggest if I could have the next slide, please. It, it means a few things. It means leaving. Now, that might mean letting go and moving out and away of what is familiar. That might be ties, relationship. It might be place. It might be habits. It might be ways of thinking. But when we meet God, when we really meet him, one of the things we are called to do is leave many things behind. We're also called to follow Jesus. Now, that means, as I said, sometimes it will mean, when he was alive, that meant literally following him around the place for some people. For us, that will mean spending intentional time praying, studying, reading the word, being with other people. We are called to follow Jesus so that we become like him. We cannot do that if we don't spend time with him. Thirdly, we're called to act. We're called to do things. Um, we're called to serve his kingdom in some way. We know from the book of James that um, we, the book of James would suggest that we don't actually have a, a, a real faith if that faith doesn't result in actions, in things that we do. Now, again, what that looks like for each of us will be very different, and again, different at times of our lives. Some might go on a mission, uh, but many of us will serve in our jobs, we will serve in our families, we'll serve in church contexts, and we'll serve the kingdom in community contexts. We're also called to see. So when we go, there's, a, there's an aspect to when we, when, we, um, when we go, we actually see things differently. We see beyond the narrowness of the small lives that we've known. Uh, we see how other people live, and it might be in Uganda, there might be other people in our city, it might be three doors down the road. Um, we see other faiths, other cultures, other perspectives on life and reality. And we see our God at work in different ways. And what we see changes us. I mean, there's all sorts of ways we can see. I mean, when we go to Africa, for those of you who've been, you know, you see life uh, in a very different way. And what you see challenge us, it challenges you and it, and it marks you. Uh, even by watching that video, you know, but even by taking the time to do that as a church, we were seeing different people, different landscapes, different expressions of, of faith. So leaving, following, acting and seeing, um, there's a, those things flow naturally from the joy that we have when we meet God, but there is a cost to them as well. 
for Nick and Tessa, you couldn't really see it there, but they described their neighbourhood as uh, one that is gloriously fence-free. Gloriously fence-free. Now, what do you think that means? What it means is that people visit you whenever they feel like it, at, at any time. So the lack of privacy for them has been a real cost and a real culture shock. How would you feel about living in that environment? I can tell you how I would feel about living in, in that environment. So secondly, if we can have the next slide, please. Um, as well as going, as Christians, we are called to have a radically different approach to money and possessions from those around us. Uh, part of the cost, as I said, is, is giving up everything we have. So our stuff, our money, our time is not ours. Actually, it belongs to our, our God. When we look, if I can just have the next slide, please. If we just look back a couple of chapters a couple of, in uh, Luke 12, we see the things that Jesus says about money. I'll just let you read those for yourself for a moment. So you can see we're warned against storing up treasure for ourselves, but not being rich towards God. We're told to don't worry about money. Don't strive for possessions. Seek God's kingdom first and everything will be added. Sell your possessions and, and provide for yourselves treasures uh, in heaven in the next age because where your treasure is, and this is key, your, that's where your heart will be. Now, first of all, I want to say the Bible is saying and uh, not saying don't be rich. It's not saying uh, don't be, you must not be rich. It's, it's not saying you must now go out and give away everything. Uh, there were rich people in the Bible. Some of them traveled with Jesus and some of them provided for Jesus. In the New Testament, we see, for example, Lydia, who was a seller of purple cloth, clearly, um, and she provided for the disciples. So we, we see that there are people with means. The Bible also is not actually saying don't store up wealth. I know some of you have jobs where your whole job is to help people store up wealth. The Bible is not saying that. Um, but it is saying watch out if you store up wealth but you are not rich towards God. That is, that is uh, that what it is saying. Um, we also see in, in 1 Timothy 5.4, the Bible, for example, says that widows shouldn't be using the resources of the church. Widows should be um, uh, supported by their families. So families should be supporting their own. And we know that we can't support our children and our elderly parents and, th and those around us if we haven't been wise with our wealth. So the Bible isn't saying things that are, are silly, if you like, but we know that money and possessions have a tendency to divert us from God, to pull on our affections, and to take our focus. Uh, and I think if we're honest, one of the hardest things about being a follower of Christ living in this place right now is the attraction of money and stuff. People around us have so much money and so much stuff, and we want to be like them. We've got an issue at the moment. We are renovating our house. Hopefully we'll only do it once. 
and you know you get really fixated on the curtains don't you and it seems really important and we're spending a lot of money i've never spent this much money in my life other than when i've bought the places and so you know there's a wisdom and a rightness in doing this well and, and making it beautiful and and being you know doing it right but We've got to be careful as we go through this process that naturally this stuff has an attraction and a pull on us and it can assume an importance that it doesn't really have. Now, what each of us do with these challenges of Jesus uh, will and it should be different. The Bible does not give a one-size-fits-all approach uh, and we should not be comparing ourselves with other Christians around us because there's no one uh, right way to respond to this. But I, I do want to suggest that as followers who live in this particular time and place, followers of Christ, we should be wrestling with this issue. And we should be wrestling with what Jesus says about money and possessions and what that means for us and therefore what we do with our time and money. Um, and if we do that, we will find again that there is a joy in following Christ, but there is a cost. When we give money away, we can't spend it on stuff we would have wanted. And there is a cost to that, and that is a right thing. So just to close, I want to suggest that, that getting involved in mission work is one way of obeying the sort of call that we see in this passage, the call to go and to see and to act, and also the, the call to not just store up riches for ourselves but to give and you know the best way to actually to go in the context of short-term missions is actually to go it's actually to leave Christchurch and actually to go uh, and, and have a look um, Nick and Tessa would love to have visitors there are obviously some practicalities that, that need to be worked through but if you're in a position where you might be able to contribute to their work um, then that could be an enormous encouragement that, um, and perhaps that is worth exploring. They're particularly looking for people that can help in the area of finances and that can be done from Christchurch or Uganda, although it's, it's probably worth going to have a look if you're going to get involved. Um, I just I wanted to say to young people too, short -term amazing, a short-term mission is an amazing thing. When we go to another country, we're normally excited about what we can contribute and how we're going to help. Uh, and look, we can contribute sometimes in different ways, but actually short-term mission is really about going and seeing and being changed. Um, and that, that changed um, humbles you and it does mark you for life. So, you know, you can go at any time, but if you're in your 20s or getting close to your 20s, uh, I really encourage you to think about this if you have kids who are coming up to 20 to that time of life, maybe um, encourage them to think about that. And if you if you have kids who are all in their 20s, well, you probably have some less commitments than you used to. So maybe it's a time that you could have a think about that as well. Um, look, there's no one-size-fits-all approach here. There are lots of ways to go, lots of ways to get involved. Um, but I would encourage you just to keep connected with what Nick and Tessa are doing. You can find them through CMS. Um, to pray for them if you can and if you're able to give as well. We are um, uh, hoping to, to raise enough money. In fact, I'm sure we can raise enough money to provide them with an ECG machine. So that's one of our focuses for this, um, for this month. So if you'll just allow me to pray uh, as we finish. Lord, we thank you um, this morning for Nick and Tessa in Uganda. We thank you for their faithfulness. 
Lord, we pray that you would give them wisdom and insight and love. Lord, for Nick, as he works in his medical fields, expanding the one-day health centres, and Lord, for Tessa, as she works with communities who are facing challenges and, and struggling with land rights issues. Lord, we also pray that you would lead us faithfully to serve you and to give in the context and places that you have called us to be. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thanks so much, Jeff, your challenging words. And uh, Lloyd is going to lead us now as we pray. Thank you.